Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Forgive me for what I have done. Because I flopped. I flopped. This is Flop Culture. You are listening to Flop Culture. This is a podcast all about our favourite and occasionally our least favourite flops. I hope you're well. I'm your host, Fanula. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode. If you listened, it's on Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23 with the wonderful Celebrity Member Book Club. So if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to that. You'll, you'll enjoy it, I think. I'm really excited about this episode. It kind of went on a journey that I wasn't expecting. We love an unexpected journey, girls, don't we? But before we get into that... Talk news. Culchi, Beyonce is coming. Beyonce hit the diff Knowles is imminent. It was Beyonce's Super Bowl, really, wasn't it? The Kansas City Chiefs didn't win. Usher didn't even really win. Beyonce won because she announced that she is dropping more music. This long rumored act two to Renaissance, this second act, it is coming March 29th. As far as I'm aware, it's just called Act 2, Act 2 Renaissance, Renaissance Act 2, Renaissance 2, Attack of the Clones. I don't know. But from what we've gathered, this seems to be country music leaning. Really excited. This came with two singles, Texas Hold'em, 16 Carriages. I personally prefer 16 Carriages. I think it's a beautiful song. Country music through and through, but like Beyonce-ified, Beyonce-ified, as The Guardian put it this week. I am deliriously excited about this era in a way that I like because I've been listening to obviously a lot of other podcasts kind of talking about this and you know we're off the back of another mega era from her with the initial Rianse the initial Renaissance release and the tour and the movie it'd be easy for people to kind of be like geez this is a lot this is a lot I am I'm not feeling I don't feel like this is too much I'm on board I'm excited 
I think it's really interesting to see her reclaiming genres in this way. We already saw her do it with so with so many variations of dance music with the Renaissance Act 1, with Act 2. Is it going to be more fully country-leaning? Are these two singles red herrings? I don't know. Like, she's been wearing a lot of cowboy hats. Even the, uh, the single artwork is very country-leaning. To see her reclaiming these genres that, you know... The same can be said for dance, like these genres created by black musicians and just ended up being popularized and appropriated by white musicians. To see her reclaiming this is very exciting. My big galaxy brain take is this all goes back to the Grammys. It doesn't all go back to the Grammys, but I think the Grammys is a large part to do with this, I think. I think she's looking at this being like, okay, you're not going to give me album of the year. Absolutely no bother. I'm going to win in every other genre and absolutely show up your asses. Because we've seen her win with Renaissance for the dance record. So she's coming for country now. Lots of rumours around whether there there is an Act 3. I know when Act 1 initially came out, what I'd heard, and I don't know if I heard this or if I actually just made this up, whatever. So am I a clairvoyant? Who knows? What I'd heard was that Act 1 was obviously... Dance floor focus. There's a dance floor record. We're on the dance floor. It's again about reclaiming those genres and, you know, bring it back to the ballroom, stuff like that. Second act was country. This is potentially coming to fruition, March 29th. We'll see about that. Act three, there had been rumors that either it was A, a Destiny's Child album, which I don't, I don't think so now, based on the fact that Act Two is actually happening and it's a country album. The other rumors are that it's a rock album, which is another genre that black artists, black musicians, founded, created, and again, was kind of hijacked by white men. So is she going to come back 2026? Rock album? Best rock album winner? I would, when I say I would love to see it, girls, especially off the back of Jay-Z's conversation at the Grammys around Beyonce not winning, I just think it would show the absolute... Like, how much the Grammys doesn't matter. Like, how much the Grammys' own rules, like, don't seem to make any sense. You know what I mean? I would love to see it. And we've already seen her do rock. The Jack White collaborations previously. I'm, this has got, I'm so excited about this. And Lord help me if she tours this again, I need to go and I will be yeehawing all the way to fucking the Aviva Stadium, wherever she's playing. I'll go to Scandinavia. I'll be there and I'll bring a bag of Supermax for her and I'll say, this is how the country girls eat. And she'll say, Brilliant. I'm so excited. She's already facing some kind of difficulties though. Obviously country has become the genre that is kind of gatekeeps itself in a way that is very strange. You're seeing radio stations in the States now kind of having to roll back because obviously the Beehive, they're activated. They're like, play the song, babes. Play the song. They're texting into the radio stations. They're like, play the song. And there was a radio station based in Oklahoma who'd initially said they weren't going to play Texas Hold'em because they don't play... Beyonce and obviously you have the fans criticizing that then for being narrow-minded like this is a country song it's a country song it has all the hallmarks of country song in terms of storytelling instrumentation so I don't know why they wouldn't but they've rolled back on it anyway after this fan emailed the radio station is called KYKC they requested the song and they emailed the person back saying hi we do not play Beyonce on KYKC as we are a country music station obviously then Beehive very cross. They have since kind of come back and said, you know, they're a small station. They, as part of a wider group, and they obviously play Beyonce on the other stations, but it's just because this was a country music station. And you kind of a similar conversation around the time of, uh, what's that little Nas X song? 
you know exactly what I mean. Old Town Road, when Old Town Road came out and there were a lot of questions around, well, is this a country song? Can we classify this as a country song? And it initially charted on the Billboard country chart. Then it was removed because it, for Billboard, it didn't have enough elements of country to it. So I love it, girls. I love discourse. I love what this album campaign is going to do for discourse. Of course, I love discourse. I have a podcast. I, it, this is going to be such an interesting time. And I'm really, I'm furiously excited for this album. As someone who wouldn't consider themselves like a huge country and Western fan. Like I do like country music more than the average person, I would say, but I'm not like a stan. She's, it's Beyonce's world. We're just living in it. You know what I mean? And I'm, God, I'm so happy we do. I'm so happy I breathe the same air as Beyonce. Oh, obsessed. Speaking of people that we breathe the same air as, it is time to talk about this week's flop. Talisa Contostavlos, better known mononymously as Talisa, experienced a meteoric rise to fame off the back of her group Endobes chart success, coupled with a coveted judging position on the X Factor UK panel. However, the singer and female boss quickly found herself ensnared in controversy after controversy that saw her promising career take a nosedive. Joining me to discuss the literal trials and tribulations of Talisa is comedian and writer Aaron Twitchen. Aaron Twitchen, you are very welcome to Flock Culture. How are you doing? I am so excited to be here. I cannot tell you how much thought and time I've dedicated to um, being here. I'm really excited. I'm a fan. And, oh, what is it they say? Long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> I've wanted to well, say that all I'm- my life. There you go. And I very much appreciate you calling in to talk about your pick. Don't keep us in suspense. Who have you picked as your flop? I actually spent ages thinking, oh, what would I do? And I spoke to our our shared friend, Kean Sullivan, and he was like, oh, this is so easy for you. Pick a girl band member that's had a flop career. And I was like, oh yeah, that would be so easy. And then I thought, I cannot not talk about the biggest injustice in pop culture, which is Talisa of N-Dubs. Biggest injustice in pop culture. That's a, a big claim already that I'm I'm sure you I know you have the receipts to prove it. So I'm interested. I'm, 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 I... I'm interested in your, in your argument. <laughs> I feel like I've gone way too deep in this. <laughs> I feel like you might need to drag me out. I feel like your role in this now is not um I don't know if you're a presenter in this or you're a therapist that just needs to drag me out of this hole. I think I care about this more than Talisa at this point. Um <laughs> I feel like this might be therapist to be honest (laughs) I feel like this might be up there on the level of Britney's conservatorship in the way that in maybe 10 years time or even from this episode onwards people will be like wait that was hugely wrong like what happens over those two years basically Mm. her life was ripped apart and ruined in two years I think is hugely wrong and do you know why I say it as well because people always say to me um, oh, what's meant for you won't pass you by. Like, if you've got the talent, the cream rises to the top. And I always say to them, no, look at Talisa. Like, she got it absolutely ripped away despite having it all. Were you an Endubs fan or were you a Talisa fan when she kind of started doing her own thing? Or were you both or were you neither? I think I might have been a bit of neither. I was very aware of them. And now listening back to the music, I'm like, these are all bops. I did enjoy them, but I definitely wasn't running out buying the albums or downloading the singles. I did, when she joined X Factor, 
no one really knew that much about it, did they? People were very like, who is she? How she got this job? Was that was that like, your perception at the time? Yeah, I think they'd had like kind, I don't want to say limited success, but I suppose they weren't going around like it, it wasn't like a smash either. If you look at like even their second album, I Need You, which was I think just before she ended up joining for the eighth season, that went to like number five. And then the following album after that, I think the third album, yeah, which is called Love Live Life, that oh, arrestable yeah. offence, I would say. Well, um, they started a fridge magnet trend that would last for years, yeah. True, true. Um, I think that did reasonably well as well, but they weren't like... They did reasonably well considering they were a group, a mixed gender group at that time, a mixed genre group. They were kind of covering rap. They were kind of covering grime to an extent. They were kind of moving more into pop as their career had gone on. And she was kind of... It was between her and Dappy in terms of who was going to be the breakout star. But yeah, when you consider the panel she joined... She wasn't the most famous, you know what I mean? So when she joined, I'm pretty sure it was Gary Barlow, take that, obviously. Yeah. Kelly Rowland, hysterical. And Louis everyone's Walsh, obviously. Fa- she was everyone's, re- yeah. Everyone's, everyone's third favourite member of Destiny's Child there that she sat next to, yeah. Um, yeah, when she joined, I suppose definitely in Ireland, and again, I suppose it's a different mm, and like yeah. they were, NNDubs were never as big in Ireland as they were in the UK, because even when they went on a yeah. recent reunion tour, they didn't announce a date here, much to the horror of the NNDubs fans. I'm not sure if they have a stand name. Are you familiar with the NNDubs stand name? NNDubblets, the little NNDubblets. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, there isn't. I, at this point, I don't know if there's anything you can teach me about N-dubs. I have done so much research. I listened <laughs> to the entirety of Talisa's autobiography. She is welcome to the seven pounds that she earned from me in the last month. There um, you go, brilliant. I think you're. This, so this is going to be my first. You're wrong about this. Um, <gasps> they were huge, actually, but not in. They're huge in terms of success. So I think. This is a flop that I don't think is a flop. I think this, she is a flop that everyone remembers as a flop, but she's not a flop. So mm. N-Dubs, you're right. They had like, they had three albums. And although they weren't like huge smashes, when you understand what they are and where they've come from. So they're the first like grime crossover act. Like no other grime artist was having the sort of impact that they were having. They, all of their albums went uh, platinum. Actually, all three of them went platinum. They won a MOBO award before they even had a record label. And I think that's what people don't realise about N-Dubs and Talisa is it was all self-starter stuff. They actually were producing their first album themselves and like putting themselves forward. And they did, I think they had a number one with... Um, was it Tinchy Strider? Was that number one? Did you have that? Number one with here? Dappy. Yeah, with Dappy. Yeah. Yeah, and they branded it as N-Dub so that Talisa mm. could have a moment. She was in the video. Um, so they were, they were this like underground band that had sort of brought through this new sound that wasn't current in the time and came forth. But yeah, when she hit X Factor, it was a surprise. My question to you then is... Who do you think was meant to do X Factor and then Talisa had to pick up the ropes last minute? Because that's... you know that's how Amanda Holden got Britain's Got Talent is it was all scheduled to be Cheryl Cole and at the last minute she pulled out so they had to go for who was free and well, Amanda Holden was always free back then and now she has a huge career. <laughs> I Nolan's like, thank God covered. I was free. <laughs> thank God I was free. Thank God I cancelled that hair appointment. Um, I'm God, that's a brilliant question. I'm 
I'm trying to think of someone at that time. I don't know. I feel like you've thought about this. Who do you think it was? I haven't. I googled a little bit about the rumoured names. So the rumoured people were Lily Allen, Alicia yeah, that Dixon. Makes sense. Also makes sense. Frankie from the Saturdays. Yeah. I, mean, I think that's on the level as Talisa, really. Yeah, I would um, agree, yeah. Noel Gallagher. I can't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Three men and Kelly Rowland. That's... <laughs> Where's that movie reboot? When are we watching that? <laughs> I would watch that. But I, d- I don't think we really appreciate just how huge it was when she became an expert to judge. I mean, she was 22, I think. And oh my she, God, so young. Right. And to be thrust, I mean, she had had a big taste of fame. Do you know what I mean? Like they'd had big hits and like they'd also had like a stateside record deal at that point as well. Like they'd been flown out to, um, they signed with LA Reid um, and, you know, it all fell apart. I mean, that is a big... It was a big thing in Talisa's career as a recurring theme. Things fall apart. Um, but she goes on The X Factor. She's a huge success in that first year. I mean, do you remember she won it with the the first band to win with Little Mix? I completely forgot this. Yeah, mentored Little Mix. And they're now the most successful group in X Factor history. In your first year, you know what I mean? And yeah. I think you made a point there about, obviously, that Talisa had had a taste of success with the chart success with Endobes. Yeah. But I feel like in terms of, how do I put this? Like, I'd say there wouldn't have been a lot of crossover in terms of the X Factor audience and people who were actually listening to Endobes. Oh, you know what I mean? Absolutely not. So it's yeah. bringing her to this entirely new audience. And I'm, she came across very well. Like, I think everyone remembers that moment where she's having that tete-a-tete with Gary Barlow where he's... He's like, oh, you fagash. She's trying to make oh. a point about a contestant and he's trying to make a joke. Never has something so badly backfired. Oh my God, right. I cringe thinking about it. And I think that might actually be after the tide is turning on her as well. Like, mm. I, I feel like she's never safe in this environment. Like, this is a story of misogyny. This is a story of sexism. And this is a story of like working classism as well. Like, she is never really at any point in her story treated like an equal or like like what she's worth I feel like um Mm. but you're right like no crossover you'd think I think she was a real surprise choice actually but Mm. a part of that I think is sort of um Simon Cowell's ownership on things like I think he likes to think that he's made people like he I think he takes a lot of credit for Cheryl Cole I think in his head like he's responsible for making it yeah right and I think he wanted to do the same with Talisa, be able to be like, I made her that. Like, she would have been nothing without me. Mm. Um, and so she goes on, she has two huge successful years. Like, she doesn't, there is nothing she doesn't drop, mate. She does endorsement deals. She's on every clothing, but she does a perfume. She does an autobiography. She signs a contract to do novels. She's going to be the next Katie Price. And then the, the Shining Crown in 2011, FHM voted her the sexiest woman in the world. I mean... Above Cheryl Cole. <gasps> Cheryl was number two. <laughs> and that's when you know, like, that's when, especially with Cheryl's going through an interesting turning point as well, where it was like, girl next door, everyone loves her, to like, oh, suddenly everyone kind of hates her. To, yeah. Like, that was a weird period for Cheryl as well. That's the other person who could have, I guess, have been the X Factor because she had moved over to the USA, I think, at that point, And then she got cancelled from that because she wore purple and orange together, which apparently is the most <laughs> heinous crime a woman can do. Uh, still not quite figured that one out. I'm not over that, I don't think. Um, so she could have, but I think she wouldn't have gone back. And yeah, then, like, 
she had her single. Do you remember the singles that Talisa did? How much of Talisa's career do you remember? (laughs) Remember that when I say young is like a pivotal moment in my teenage years. Like it was played at parties. It was, I'm not sure if it went to number one. I know it went to number one in the UK. I'm not 100% sure where it ended up in, uh, in Ireland. But I remember hearing this and being like, oh my God, revolutionary. The music video was on constant rotation on the music channels. This was at a time when I was obsessed with the music channels and looking at the music charts. I remember hearing the song and being like, this is good. This is a banger. Like Talisa could do this on her own. Did you have the same reaction? Did you love it? Yes, a slightly different reaction because the song's chorus is just, because we're young, we're young, we're young. And at that point, I felt like she was taunting me because I wasn't anymore. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It felt very pointed, like, young, not you. Um, No, I loved it. It was a banger. I remember, I think it was at Edinburgh Fringe Festival. I can't remember what year it would have... Oh, 2011. I was there and I remember it being like my get ready for a show song. Like, it felt like, yeah, absolute popping banger. Yeah, went to number one here. Don't know how it did in Ireland. Do you remember the follow-ups though? This is the this is where the flop begins. So I did the only I thought there'd only been two singles from this album. So I thought there yeah. was this one and then the flop ballad because I remember her performing it on the X Factor. I remember oh, yeah. I remember her performing Side of You, and then I remember the subsequent press coverage after of the album and it just being kind of immediately declared a flop. Did not remember the Tiger single that's in the middle that's called Live It Up. But I listened to it for this yeah. and I was like not actually not the worst not the worst it's got a great line in it where it's like we're gonna pop more champagne this year than we did last year and (laughs) i think of that every year (laughs) i don't know why but that (laughs) has lodged in my head and i don't even drink champagne i'm like we're gonna drink more blue nun this year than we did last year (laughs) maybe that's great new year's resolution you know that's that's all you ever want all you ever want is we drinking more champagne than the last year you know yeah this is what you gotta aim for um so yeah, so there was that Live It Up single. I think that went to like 18 or something, but wasn't like bad. But even she is saying in the press cycle of this, like, oh, this song isn't meant to be a hit. This is just connecting me back to my old audience. This is just a, a wee hit. And then, like you say, the dreary ballad. The thing that I think people will not expect from Talisa's solo album is it's ballad heavy. The end sort of half is ballad drudge. There's maybe mm. four or five of them. Mm. And she's she was saying at the time, like, oh, she wants to do a big album. That's how pop albums should be. Like, they have to have that big ballad. And I think when I listen back to the end up stuff, when they, they had little solo moments in there and hers would always be a ballad. I'm starting to think she's not a street girl, you know. I think she's a Celine Dion, <laughs> Whitney Houston. She sits in her cupboard. I don't even think she likes grime. I think she just saw an opportunity. Yeah, I, there is a lot of, because I'd never listened to The Female Boss all the way through, which is the debut and only album which uh, preceded these singles. For now. Uh, <laughs> Once we get For this now. doing, she'll be back. <laughs> We live in up. I'd never listened to it before doing research for this. And I was like, surely it can't be that bad. Like, Young was so good. Like, Young is so good. Live It Up is perfectly serviceable pop. Side of You was like, fine. Again, I don't even necessarily think it's a bad song. I don't even think it's the best ballad on the album. I don't, I do, I do not know why she chose that. Yeah. This album, it's a bit, yeah, it is very, there is a lot of, 
I, I, I want to say the word like in areas, it's a bit culture vultury. There's a song called British Swag, which was a collaboration yeah. with a rapper called Nines, which I shared to my Instagram story. And I said, someone should be in prison for this. And I agree because it makes Taylor Swift's London boy look like a, 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 a symphony. You know what I mean? Like it's just horrific. But I know you love my accent, darling. <laughs> I've got that British, <laughs> British swag. <laughs> do you think it's worse than, do you think British swag is worse than foreigner? <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> foreigner, don't why'd me... you come around no more? I don't know why she's Where doing she's the Jamaican accent. Like That's not me. Patois. Patois. <laughs> yeah. it's... But then, as you said, like she does these ballads, like skeletons is, like I actually did a yeah. counterfeit. I like and I yeah. like the idea of it like oh I thought your love was money in the bank but it was all kind of like I, I was like that's a good song idea but it's basically just this the, the issue with the female boss is that I don't think she went in hard enough on the dance pop stuff or the ballads I think she'd done like a straight album of like dance pop like 50% dance pop 50% albums or whatever like 75% dance pop 25% ballads I think we would have had a decent al- a decent album and like something mm. that would have been she would have been able to follow up from but because this is such a mishmash of genres the identity is so unclear and it has that weird spoken word intro outro talking about what it means to be a female boss it was always going to be oh hard to come back from something like that. That is my absolute favourite. So I'm not even going to lie to you. I've made a slideshow for you today. Oh, oh <laughs> I've gone Aaron. so infinite. I've made a slideshow of things that I want us to discuss. And okay. on there, there's some things for you to read. And one of them is the glorious introduction. Um, I've also got reviews. I've got... Because look, I am very serious about this topic. And yeah. I know like... I have listened to your podcast enough that I know you like to figure out what is the reason behind the flop. And then your guests are always like off the cuff thinking, what is the reason for the flop? Not this guest. I have come up with a caseload of three reasons and each of them in true Talisa style result in a court case because more than she has had hit singles, Talisa has had hit success in court. She has won more case court cases than Elle Woods. It really is. She <laughs> is legally blonde. She is court Barbie. She should have been in the movie. Um, so I want to present them to you. And I want to hear them. Please, Aaron. I need to hear. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've gone so deep. I didn't realise quite how deep into this I was until I saw the first page, which says, to le- I'm actually shaking. I'm that excited. Um, <laughs> Talisa, and then there's a quote underneath that says, I'm ready, I'm ready, you're not ready at all. And only a real deep Talisa fan will know that that is a lyric from a buried album track. <laughs> um, so here's here's the Talisa album intro. Do you wanna do you wanna read it, Fanula? Like it's like it's proper poetry. There is an inner beauty about a woman who believes in herself, who knows she's capable of anything she puts her mind to. An inner beauty in the strength and determination of a woman who follows her own path and isn't thrown off by obstacles along the way. A woman whose confidence comes from experiences and knows she can fall, pick herself back up and move on. She is strong when she is weak, but she is brave when she is scared. And she is humble when she is victorious. She is the female boss. I hear that opening I'm like she is 
Dun, dun, dun. Nicole Scherzinger. Yeah, yeah. You just described Nicole Scherzinger. This is actually a concept um, album about Nicole Scherzinger's lived experience. If you don't like this album and you don't understand the British swag, you know, I know you like my accent, darling. It's when Nicole Scherzinger is putting on her British accent. <laughs> um, yeah, it's not not the intro that people are expecting. And the album truly does flop. It sells 7,000 copies in its first week, which is not great. Um <sighs> can't remember it it charts quite low like maybe in like the 30s or something and it never really recovers and she has bigged up a big game about this album as well about how like she wants to have longevity and she's right to believe that because that's what she's managed to do you know with like end ups like their albums did have longevity like they went top 10 and then they hung around for a while like they sold big copies and they toured off it and they built fan bases like i think there is some slight like um uh what's the word for it like where people are being really judgy about her for thinking that she can do these things Mm. like her doing a debut album and thinking it can be a big hit people like talked about it like that was beyond her means like she shouldn't be able to do that like who is she to think that she can and she should think that she can because she had done that before like end ups were 13 when they set up a record label and they released their first song by themselves Mm. and it's you know, that is real hustler behaviour. Like, she should believe she can do these things because she has done. Um, and, like, she can sing. And she is the best part of a lot of end-up songs. Like, Girls is one of my favourite end-up songs. Like, she slays on that. Got guys, I mess with them. They be pinging up my phone, telling me they all alone. Brilliant. Perfect. <laughs> um, do you think she can sing? Oh, are we about of an argument? I think she. I think she. Can I don't know. Sing. No, not going to fall out with anyone about Talisa unless they're telling me she's not talented. <laughs> I, I absolutely think she can sing in the way that a lot of pop divas can can sing in a way that is serviceable and is gets songs across. I think she's a better than average singer. I don't think she's yeah. Mariah, but I also don't think she thinks she's Mariah. You know. I think there were moments on the X Factor, like when she's singing with Little Mix, that she thinks she's Alicia Keys. I, I think. <laughs> I think she might think her voice is a little better than it is. As okay. someone who has listened to eight hours of her talking about her career and her autobiography, I think she she may think it's a bit better than me. I think she has a very powerful voice and it is, I really enjoy it. Like you say, I think she's the best part of an end up song for me. Mm, maybe Dappy's lyrics. But yeah, it's it's good, but I think it's untrained and sometimes yes. unlooked after. Yeah, for sure, um, for sure. Do you want to read, I would like you to read a review that was left about the album by The Independent, just to give a feeling of this time and uh, how people were talking about Salisa. Mm. So as you said, this is from Andy Gill in The Independent. Cool mm-hmm. grooves, but self-help sentiment lacks the X factor. Uh, over portentous drums and piano, she intoned some self-help hogwash about the, quote, inner beauty, strength and determination that helps make women bosses. I mean, yeah, people did not like this record. Did Talisa invent girl boss? I, did girl boss exist a- before the female boss? <laughs> I've just suddenly realised because I was when I uh, when I put this quote up, I was like, I do not think that is how you would talk about a record that did that 
in 2023. Like, I feel like the girls love this. We love a self-help sentiment. Like, when I put on music, I want a self-help sentiment. I need someone to get me through. I need to be told about my inner beauty, strength and determination. Like, I feel like that's very 2020s. I don't think we were at, like... Yeah, I don't think we were there yet at this point. I think we were still a bit like, because even, you know, when she was on X Factor and she came out, because she has the female boss tattooed on her arm. That's the oh, whole yeah. thing, right? Yeah. And her thing, you know, when they come out and they introduce the judge and Dermot O'Leary is like, Kelly Rowland, whatever. Her thing would be that she would put her arm up to the camera yeah. to show the tattoo to be like the female boss, the yeah. female boss. I don't think we were ready yet. I think we were still a bit like, oh no. We all thought it was a bit showy offy. Yeah. You know, you know, she got fined. Think I think she, I'm not sure whether she got fined, but like she got banned from doing that by ITV because when the album came out, it was advertising or something, and she hadn't I'd paid heard for that, advertising. Yeah. So dumb. Give the um, girl a break. She is a she's a girl boss. She's just girl bossing all over, which is different from being a normal boss because you know women shouldn't have the audacity to think they can run anything. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Ed, do you want to read the rest of this review? Yes, so Chalisa trying to overcome the very public gaffe of a former lover's online sex tape, which, whatever other ramifications it may have had, achieved the remarkable feat of suggesting that Dappy may not be the daftest member of N-Dubs. I had not read that in the original review. I think I missed that, and that is one of the most heinous sentences I have ever read. And I think that's what brings me to my first point, Judge, in why Chalisa should be unflopped. (laughs) is that she, the first point is, and all of these points are, Talisa is effectively constantly brought down by men. Um, And my first point is the sex tape. So Talisa goes to court because a former lover releases a sex tape about her um, in the press. And the bit that gets me the most about this is the way that the media and all of us, and myself included, I think at the time, seem to um seem to hate on her for it mm. do you remember the mood at the time do you did you see the pictures i'm gonna be honest i don't i don't really remember but i i can assume that because again you're talking like it's still the early 2010s and that was still very much a point of nobody was considering it revenge porn or anything like this and it was very like god what a stupid girl for even filming something like that or there was never a question of well, did this person even consent to that did they know it was there none of those questions ever it was just oh like what a dumb idiot woman getting caught out like this and got the state of her for being so promiscuous and stuff like that and again I think it fed into you've talked about this narrative where it was like you know Talisa wasn't quote-unquote, supposed to be a pop star. She was never... Yeah. We, there's there's questions around whether she was the first choice to be an X Factor star because she came from, like, a grime crossover group. And you've referred to, like, the classism that comes into this conversation. Mm-hmm. I think it was... I, I don't think any woman would have come out unscathed at that time, but I think because it was Talisa, it was very much like, oh, well, sure, that was a given, like, state of her... She's getting exactly what she deserves when, in actual fact, this was the case of an ex-boyfriend who was also a rapper at the time. He doesn't even deserve, I don't care what his name is, who cares, but was just basically like, I'm going to put this out. And his manager secured something that it was kind of distributed. Like it was, it's so, such a vile, grim situation. Yeah. 
And I think this is the thing, like, there's one court case that she's remembered for, and we'll get to it at the end. But when you look back, like, the stuff that actually happened is gross. So the full details of it are, there is a six-minute video of her giving a blowjob that um, appears online to um, MC Ultra, who was her former boyfriend from a two-year on-off relationship. The video appears online. They're charging £6 to to download it. Um, Apparently, they tried to sell it to Playboy and other sites. Um, She's doing X Factor at this time. Like, she's in the middle of recording. So she's literally having to go out on stage afterwards and talking about it. She's 23 at the time that this comes out. Oh, my God. And it's a former relationship by a cat from what I found out, she was dating him between the ages of 17 and 19. So this is a video of a girl under I believe under the age of 19 that a still of gets plastered over the internet. I'm pretty sure a photo of it ended up in the sun. I don't recall at any time anyone being like, is this revenge porn? Mm. Yeah, it's- and I think there was an issue with his manager at the time had also been working on X Factor in some capacity, right. which again well, was a detail that I yeah. didn't know. So then he had to like yeah. leave the job because this all came out. Like the layers to this and just the, this was a gal who was potentially, we don't know how successful she would have been because of all these things that you're yeah. going to list, including this. But this was someone who had the potential to have real breakthrough star energy and had this, yeah. this event pretty much derail things because again we were at a point in society where we weren't able to recognize these things for what they were like crimes against women it just is crazy to me like if you imagine it now like something well actually i don't know if it's gotten any better now because you know drake had a video leak online just this week um i cannot with the conversation around this i i'm glad you kind of brought it up it's really like i'm seeing it covered on in on popular culture on chat shows where it's like oh what a big boy yes whatever I'm like someone has leaked that without why are we not applying the same you know what I mean not to be like if it was a woman but if it was a woman like it doesn't automatically negate because it's Drake you know what I mean it's so or because it's a positive reaction like just because it happens to be huge that doesn't mean that it's okay for that to be out there like that's still that still questions so much about it. And it's it's like we haven't learned, you know what I mean? And like, no. this is something that was being covered in newspapers. I'll show you some of the newspapers. I pulled them um, up in a minute. You know, when you said the manager, the DJ's mm. manager, who was also working on X Factor, do you know who that was? It was I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but when I looked into who he's worked with before, I was actually horrified. Me too. So it was a guy called Chris Herbert. He was the guy, I was. I read that name and I was like, wait a minute, I know this guy. He was the guy that was part of Heart Management, the um, production company that put together the Spice Girls, the mm. ones that they ran away from when Jerry stuffed the tapes into her knickers and got out. What a grimy piece of, I don't know how much we can swear on this podcast, but what a oh, grimy piece of ass. Right. Yeah. Well, what yeah. a shit bag. <laughs> Mm. I always thought the Spice Girls had done him dirty and now I'm glad because he was going to go and do people dirty afterwards. And then they denied it. They denied it for um, months till Lisa had to go to court about it. And she did eventually win that court case to find that he had released it. Um, She sued him for 100,000 in damages 
didn't seem to get anything from him, I don't think, possibly because he didn't have anything. Um, she did get £42,000 from a news website, TNT, who are no longer going because they publish stills of the images. Mm. But it just, to me, is absolutely gross. This happened two weeks before the release of her debut single. I didn't remember it be like the timeline for the music crossing so much. Oh my God. Which meant that people thought it was a Kim Kardashian style publicity stunt. So the narrative that became attached to Talisa was she has released a sex tape. And that was what um, her ex-partner and this Chris Herbert guy, that was what they were putting out there, that she had released this to promote her debut single and that, that that's what she wanted. She had spoken about it in, she did a documentary at BBC Three, Talisa, The Price of Fame, and she said, the first year on X Factor was a very happy time. I think it was the tape where it all went wrong for me. When the tape came out, I felt like I'd lost control again. This isn't how I wanted to be portrayed. And afterward, going back out there, it was the thought of facing the audience, the crowd. Even though I was a judge, I was being judged. More than anyone, more than the contestants. The judges get judged the most. I just found it so hard to face people again. Yeah, that documentary is brutal, like... Mm. I, I think that is a really good documentary and see what it's like and like understanding her because she just you just see how it rips her apart and how the press are they're, they're literally in her garden taking pictures through her window aren't they it's it's horrific horrific so that is I think where like I agree with that I think that's where it all starts falling apart so that's flop point one because mm. you know this sex date comes out and it suddenly starts questioning her career and whether she deserves to be there because she is as they say you know She's from, you know, she did grow up poor. She grew up, she didn't grow up in care, but she might as well have been like, her mum was sectioned for large periods of time. Her dad wasn't really much of a father. You know, there was a lot of um, like drugs and crime around the family. Like it was, it was a rough upbringing. Mm. So point one, I promised we'd have fun. So the thing that confuses me the most, and I only noticed this in the last like week or so with, with the heavy research, <laughs> Talisa's record label do not know what colour her hair is or what colour her hair should be. And I found multiple examples of photo shoots where they had photoshopped the hair from dark to blonde or blonde to dark. I don't even know which. So these are the two most obvious ones I picked up. Her autobiography is available in brunette and blonde. (laughs) It is the exact same picture. Is this, Fanola, am I mad? Have I lost my mind? This is the same photo shoot. It looks like... It looks like she's blonde and they photoshopped a brunette. So was it a case of like, we need to photoshop a back brunette so that people recognise that it's her on the cover? I don't know. Or, bec- or because was that when the the scandals were coming out and they were like, look, no one will trust a blonde. Like, make her brunette so she seems more legally believable. So more chaste as well. Yeah, maybe yeah. that's it. Or maybe it was literally just, let's do two versions of each just in case you're feeling more. Are you brunette Talisa today or are you blonde Talisa today? <laughs> You know? It's also the photoshopping and it looks like, um, I don't know if you've ever seen those album covers where when they're being released in like Saudi or these more conservative countries, they add clothing. So like the Christina mm. Aguilera stripped cover, they'll like cover up her breasts and stuff. It's kind of giving me that vibe, it's like just the slight dark covering in, isn't it? It's giving modesty photoshop, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> modesty photoshop, <laughs> I love it. Whereas the photo shoot on the left, I'm pretty sure this is for the, um, because the, the, the second photo is the cover for the Live It Up single. So I think this is around that time. Mm. I'm pretty sure this has been 
shot as dark hair and then photoshopped blonde. I I can't. I'm trying to squint now and see. I can't. I've got it so low for you. Let me um. Let me let me zoom in. I think you might be right. That looks photoshopped blonde. But I just can't figure out why. I don't know. Oh my god, this was a crazy time. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some well less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs. United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H E L P. I do I wonder if she had the right people around her at that time as well, even outside of scandals and stuff like that. I wonder is it a case of kind of mismanagement and people not reading the room in some ways with even regards to like these these situations where it's like why are we even why are we photoshopping her blonde or why are we photoshopping her brunette whichever way it is it's so strange and I think that is a recurring theme throughout her career actually and throughout Endub's career record labels and um, industry experts just did not get them they didn't know what to do when they got their Mm. first record deal with um, Polydor um, they'd already released like a string of singles that had been underground hits. So not like hitting the charts, but had built up a huge fan base and had loads of sales. The, so the most obvious one being, I remember if you remember, You Better Not Waste My Time. That was uh, their first. Yes, vaguely. Yeah, yeah, vaguely. So that had come out like a couple years before they signed this record deal with Polydor. And Polydor wanted them to release that as a single like a couple years later. And it absolutely flopped because people had already bought it and they were trying to access mm. a new um a new fan base and that just seemed to happen throughout their career like the when they got that deal with america they wanted them to go over and record like a more american sounding album but n-dubs didn't want that because it was going to happen so this just they people just don't seem to get or trust the the artist so when talisa had the sex tape released um her um agents and her management team were all telling her to just deny it deny it deny it and she was the one that said, no, I'm going to go and own up to it. I've got nothing to be ashamed of. Like, why should I be ashamed? Because I have a sex life and someone has decided to release something of me. And she did a two-video YouTube at the time, um, just released straight out. And that was what turned the media around. So, yeah, agencies and management just do not get her. No, that's for sure. Court case number two. And my flop point for why Talisa flopped can't pick a single. This woman does not know how to pick a single. So the album campaign gets off to this this awesome start with Young and then we sort of falter a bit with Live It Up. Um, And as we were saying, like the album is kind of messy. Like it's got some Urban Edge stuff, which is the stuff that was written by former bandmate Phaser, who at the time she's having an on-off relationship with. Um, It's big and dramatic, 
they basically pulled in all the big writers, right? So you know that song that you said you like, that counterfeit? Do you know who wrote mm. that? I don't. Diane Warren. <gasps> oh my God. You know, that's the social media clip, your reaction. What, <laughs> <laughs> what made that reaction? Diane Does Warren. Diane Warren remember this song? That's all I need oh to know right now. I would love, yeah. And she, you know, if you ask her, she'll answer on Twitter. Um, <laughs> so for the listeners that aren't maybe um, as versed, Diane Warren is huge. You absolutely mm. know Diane Warren. She has nine number ones, 33 top tens. She is nominated for an Oscar every year and never gets it. She is the balladeer writer. Um, she's nominated for an Oscar 14 times. She wrote Unbreak My Heart, Don't Want to Miss a Thing. She's written for like Celine Dion. She's absolutely huge. Talisa has her on her debut record. She also has The Dream, who's this like big R&B producer. He works with like Rihanna, Beyonce, Sierra. This hits like Umbrella, Single Ladies. So the production team have really brought in these like key hit makers. Mm. Where it really all goes wrong is Live It Up was never meant to be the second single. Talisa had a hit single, a proven global number one single. She just wasn't allowed to release it. Because Talisa had written the song now known as Scream and Shout by Will I Am and Britney Spears. And it took her six years in a court battle to be recognized as a writer um, and being on that song. So the second reason that Talisa flops is a man again, and it's villain of pop, Will I Am. When I say I had completely forgotten about this until, again, started researching <laughs> for this. And again, it's just, it's so, I can't even begin to imagine how infuriating it is for her, especially with how long the court case goes on for. Yeah. And she she ends up triumphant in the end, but it's still like, okay, it's years later. What, had, what could have been if Scream and Shout had been hers? Or like what, it's... Very frustrating. Very frustrating. And the thing about these court cases being so long is the conversations moved on, but that whole time, she is the punchline of all of these stories. You know what I mean? She's the Mm. punchline of the sex scandal. She's the punchline of this, with people being like, oh, she thinks that she can claim a credit on Scream and Shout, like, which is a Will I Am and Britney hit. And I mean, this song was huge. It went like number one in 24 countries. It was like number three on the billboard. Um, It was, it was you know, a genuine hit. And she has started performing her version at like prides and gay prides and things. Cause you know, who else is going to care? I mean, I'll admit I watched some videos and the audience were kind of silent. Cause they're like, where's Britney? But <laughs> it seems to be pretty similar. I think she's, she's written the like, she's so she's credited as a songwriter in the end. Um, mm. And when I say credited, this is not like a Beyonce credit where there's maybe like 30 or 40 people because she works extensively. There were only four people credited with producing this song, and Talisa's one of them. So that's, mm. that's she was a huge contributor. Um, and even to the point, so they got in the court case, they got in a musicologist to do like a report on the song. So this musicologist has to listen to Talisa's debut album and to the work of Britney Spears to try and decipher whose voice is on it. And they conclude that Talisa's voice is actually still on the track. So not only did these producers take the song away from her, they didn't even have like the the audacity to take away her voice and like replace it, get Britney to sing the parts. 
Because you can definitely hear her in the verses. Because that was the whole thing when it came out. It was like, why is Britney doing kind of a quasi-British accent? And I know, again, I mean, Britney so. is also kind of semi I know you love my accent, darling. <laughs> got that British, British swag. If you mention British swag again, I'm going to cut off this call. <laughs> I hate that song. Oh, my God. Um, it's going to so be in your head now. But, you, yeah, you can hear her. You can hear her in it. And it was the thing that it was like, she had written it for the female boss. It didn't end up getting, she passed on it, whatever. Willem is like, okay, they rejig it and release it. And she has gets no credit for like six years. And that's it. Like, you've missed the peak of the song at that point. It's Even if you're t- talking about it from a financial perspective, like she was really cut out of earnings there, which is just... Oh no, she, so this is where she really wins. Actually, I think we think of Talisa as like this flop and all like the things that were stolen from her. I, the thing that worries me most about Talisa is, Talisa, are you earning enough? Like, I want you to be happy and I want you to be financially stable. And that's what she always talks about. Like in that documentary, that's what she says. She's like, I don't care if I lose the fame. I don't care if I lose my career. Like, I just, I don't want to lose my financial stability because that's that's what she came from was this like lack of financial stability. She has a mum that has a lot of like health conditions, like mental health conditions. She, want, she wants to make sure that her and the people around her are financially safe. Talisa gets 10, she gets awarded 10% of the royalties from Scream and Shout. So the whole time that the song is released, all of the earnings are completely frozen because Talisa goes to court about this really quickly. She knew straight away she'd been robbed here. And they should have just given her a credit. If they just left her on the songwriting credits, then she probably would have shut up about it. And then Mm. she would have got so much less because what's a songwriting credit? Like a couple of percent? There's 100 mm. credits and a track. It's it's not much. I remember when, you know, the artist Ray was going on about credits and she was saying, like, songwriting credits is nothing. They give Talisa 10% of everything that that song made. And that song was in adverts. It, was, it did, like, a Beats advert. It was in Just Dance 2017. I mean, I don't know how much money you make, but... But this is also still download time as well, even with like this was before kind of streaming had, like, fully, yeah. fully, fully set in. So people were still actively buying the song now again it's probably still not in comparison to like when people were buying physical singles but it was kind of just at the right time before people were only streaming as opposed to actually buying and downloading the track it's just so wild to me i do really want to know how much money that got her though but i just think talisa being a part of it explains so much doesn't it like the british accent britney's doing like the talk rapping talisa all over isn't it very talisa called Okay, so before we go to my final flop point, my final court case, the big one, I've got another fun game for you. Yes. Do you want to play a game of complete that lyric? Yes, of course I do. So I have pulled together some of my favourite N-dubs lyrics. Okay. Um, and you have to complete the end of them. Okay. So okay, I shall read is... it to you and you complete yeah. what you think the end is. Cool. I've had enough of fucking girls and coming back to you later. I'm sick of having to leave everything in my pager. Baby, I ain't Britney, but... Uh, I'm Kat Slater. <laughs> <laughs> Baby, I ain't Britney, but I'm dropping off your radar. Boom. Uh, that's good. That's good. Songwriters, guys. Songwriters. I mean, for me, that makes me go, maybe Dappy isn't 100% straight. Because that is a radar being your Britney <laughs> reference, your Britney go-to. It's not even toxic. Do you know what I mean? Baby, I ain't Britney, but I ain't toxic either. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's saying to me, you listen to the whole album, Dippy. 
Yeah, that's saying I recognize that blackout is Britney's magnum opus. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Okay, uh, lyric number two. I could not brace myself for what I saw. Who's this woman in my beds? Oh, I think I know this song. I could not brace myself for what I saw. Who's this woman in my bed? Um, You cheating (laughs) big fool. Oh, You're yeah, going to say this yeah. I'm going to be so annoyed because I know it. Yeah. It's on the tip of my tongue. I love the way that you think N-dubs are like, that's how they would cast someone out. They'd be like, you big fool. You big cheating fool. How could you do this to me, you Wally? <laughs> oh, you flaming galah. Um, I could not, br- you'd do well on the streets, I think, with that sort of attitude. You'd really be, yeah. you and Talisa could start a gang. Yeah, I think so. I could not brace myself for what I saw. Who's this woman in my bed? My name's Shaniqua and what? Oh, I can see the video. I can, the video is in like here. Cause it's Shanisa going in being like, what the fuck? Oh, yeah. classic. Classic line. Okay. Uh, I've got another one. This is, this is a more recent one. This is from that album last year. She said her milkshake brings all the boys to the yard, but my bank card brought all the... Men to the park. You know what? You're actually not far off. <laughs> she said her milkshake brings all the boys to the yard, but my bank card brought all the baddies to the shard. <laughs> <laughs> not the baddies to the <laughs> I heard that one. I was like, yeah, oh Dappy. You're so God. right. Ellen. I actually do have one more. I haven't put it on the slide deck. Hang on, let's see, let me find it. And I'll read it out to you. This one. So I took one from her solo album just because i thought it was okay i might actually get this because yeah don't worry (laughs) baby i'm on my way to see ya i drink whiskey not tequila tell me one place in the world that you've never been because they just gave me my visa i'm the tfb but baby you can call me fly because i eat these broads like because i eat these broads like chicken pot pie i know the song (laughs) it's visa it's the one with wiley yeah yeah no, I'm Chicken wrong. Chicken pot what pie is, is not bad either. I'm the TFB, but baby, you can call me fly because I eat these broads like I'm a pterodactyl in the sky. Oh my God, Talisa. How do you do scream and shout and then come back with that? Also, I'm not her trying to make TFB a thing. Like, this is a Roald Dahl and the BFG, babe. We're not making <laughs> You're barely getting the female boss across the line. You can't make the acronym work. Like The you TFB. Know. The TFB, Mate, oh I God. think we're not giving her enough credit because the female boss did actually become an actualization. Girl boss is such a big word. True. And that was I'm I'm going back and saying she's the originator on that. True. Okay. I'll, and I'll also, how many pop songs get pterodactyl into them? Like that's Mariah Carey levels of complicated words. True. 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 I'll give her that. Great. That was my fun interlude. Um final flop point is that the media just love to tear people down, particularly if they're from what they perceive to be a background that's not deserving, Mm. particularly if they seem ethnically questionable, and particularly if they have a surname that people just don't seem to be able to pronounce. Um, So this is the big case that she sort of remembered for, and this is where she single-handedly pretty much brings down the 20-year career of the news of the world's fake shake um a man named Mazza Mahmood who had spent built his career 
exposing, and I'm doing that in inverted commas, um, celebrities for crimes that they were doing, particularly drug stuff, mm. um, which Talisa exposes him essentially for entrapping celebrities into committing crimes. So she is, over the course of a number of weeks, told by the fake shake um, who is um, parading as a big-time Hollywood Bollywood film producer... She is being auditioned for a big Hollywood film that is going to be featuring her childhood hero, Leonardo DiCaprio. This is a, a couple, maybe it's around the time or a couple of years after Slumdog Millionaire, and it's being sold as like another version of that. They're looking for a Camden bag girl. That's what they want. They want someone who's authentic, who's real, who's not, not from the Hollywood scene. They want someone who can play this, that can seem like the real deal. And they really sell this to her. They fly her out to LA, they put her up in hotels, they wine and dine her. Over a course of like months, her assistant is calling them at different hotels. It seems like the real deal. Then they ask her if she can get hold of some cocaine for them. They're having a party and they need to be able to get some cocaine in London. They don't know anyone. Does she know anyone? And she contacts a friend And that friend delivers 13 grams of cocaine to a hotel room. And that's the sting. That's what ends up on the papers very next day or a couple days later. um, Talisa is a a drug dealer. Uh, Talisa in drug deal fix. And from that moment on, her career is completely destroyed. It takes two years for the court case to come to a close, but everything is destroyed. Do you remember this at the time? This is the case that I probably remember most significantly, but to be honest, I didn't realise that it was a sting operation. Like, I didn't realise that it was, like, I just assumed, I was no, like, did. she had drugs, yeah. whatever. Yeah, it was, so to read this back and to realise that this was literally all in the same timeline or same, like within like the year of the debut solo album, the sex yeah. tape, the sting like it's you could not have had a worse trifle you can't even count the soul album because in some ways I'm like yes it was bad but I think it was also the circumstances were always going to like have this shadow over the album then you add in these two horrific things happening to her I mean how was anyone ever going to recover especially as you said someone who is working class as she has always been very kind Mm -hmm. of proud to put forward and has talked about her upbringing and her background and stuff like that to have that association then with drugs there's a majority in society who are immediately going to be like oh yeah of course and then also be like well like fuck her essentially like why would we have anything to do with her when this is the kind of caliber of a person she is and like putting that judgment out on someone because of that and then the whole thing was it wasn't even it was a stick up like it's oh it's bonkers it's it's honestly wild to me that that we remember her in that way and that that society hasn't turned around and been like, huh. Like even I would, I've listened to a lot of podcasts and like stuff around the the fake shake stuff. You can find a lot of stuff around. And even then, like I still hear this like misogynist tone in the way that they describe her career. Like, oh, she was, I actually heard one describe her. They're talking about the court case and they described her as a former singer. And I was like, Formers at the time, she was literally releasing an album. She had just had a number one. She'd had a number one single within the last 12 months. She's She was a hugely successful singer. She went on to, you know, still sell records. Like it, it, the, the, the misogyny and the classism is just so rife. And I, 
I just feel like, I feel like I want people to look back and be like, damn, I was wrong about that. Like, mm. and I think a lot, especially at the time, and I was probably just as guilty. I think the way that we were sold this and packaged this was like, for one, how could she be such a fool? Like why no one would believe that, that, that you're being offered a Hollywood role. And I think the first part of that comes down to people not believing that she could or would get that. Forgetting that she had already made a made huge dreams come true. Like she'd already become an X Factor judge. No one would have seen that for her. Not even like six months before she got cast in the role. So for her to get huge things like a Hollywood deal and be in a movie, that, that wasn't, I don't think that was outside of her reach or outside of her belief. Especially when you consider, like, again, and I'm sorry, I, I hate comparing women against women or whatever, but, like, I do think this is a fair comparison. If you consider that she was being positioned in the same way that Cheryl Cole was oh, and, like, all the dreams fair. and aspirations yeah. that people had for Cheryl and, like, there was this whole thing of, like, she could break the US, whether it was yeah. X Factor US and all these other things. Like, it's not, it's really not outside the realms of possibility. The only thing with Chalisa was that there was another, like, Cheryl had kind of broken through that because I, Cheryl had a reasonably working class upbringing as well, I think, but I think Cheryl had kind of yeah, broken yeah. through that to become then, you know, obviously pop star in her own right, married to Ashley mm. Cole, whatever, girl next door blah 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 but then you have Talisa then who's like again it's just this association of oh Camden whatever like it's yeah I just feel like it was she was never given a chance or was yeah it was already immediately like god this is how could she even think that I mean it's very reasonable she was peaking at that point with X Factor and X Factor was huge it was huge I think we forget just how big this is the biggest show on television by a mile off Mm. And they were, I, I was looking at press release and they, they were saying like, oh, she was being offered three and a half million to be in this movie. And I was thinking, I doubt she was given much less to be on X Factor. Mm. I don't know. I can't think back to what people were getting at that time. Actually, no way. It wouldn't have been anywhere near that. I think Britney, when she did X Factor USA around the same time, she was the first to be offered a million, I feel like. Or maybe that was Mariah when she did American Idol. It's big money anyway. Mm. Yeah. The other bit is... This is full entrapment. So the fake Sheikh Mazza Mahmood poses as a filmmaker. He has an assistant making calls and he has this assistant that is set to hang around with Talisa, to, you know, befriend her. Like they actively go out of their way to befriend her. They bring up things from her past. They, you know, make a connection like that so that they can then encourage her to do what they want to do, which is play the role of a bad girl. So the whole premise of their thing was, we want an actual bad girl, not someone who's acting, someone that can really be that. So they pulled on her past and the people that she'd hung around with to, you know, encourage her to behave like that. And they said that every meeting they were at was like an audition. So my argument is she's not a flop. She's actually the world's greatest method actor because <laughs> even now we believe that she is this bad girl. Whereas I know the real Tulisa, which is just a nice girl that loves a Celine Dion ballad and probably has a lovely bath with candles with a big sign that says, live, love, life above it. (laughs) If (laughs) I can't believe this is my apex, but if, if this had been Leonardo DiCaprio, I think we would all be clapping and being like, oh yeah, he's just doing the bit. He's a method actor. Whereas when Talisa's doing it, we're like, 
no, she should go to prison. Mm. Which was a genuine risk for two years. So this this became an actual crime that the police investigated. Within a day or two, there was a warrant to search her house. They The police came to her house. They searched the entirety of her house, found nothing. She was um, charged with, um, I forget the phrasing of what they do, but basically setting up a, a drug crime. And everyone was acting surprised. If someone asked me, can you give me the number of someone that can get you cocaine? I'm pretty sure I could do that. <laughs> Not that I want to be arrested. I don't want this podcast to be a sting for me. Is this what this is? Oh my God. But Put like, in, book them. We got them. We got them. Yeah. We got them. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, I don't even think it would need to be the high stakes of, you know, a big Hollywood movie with Leonardo DiCaprio. I think if you said you could get me, I don't know, a spot on Dave Comedy Central. If I could get on Taskmaster, if I could find someone that could get you drugs. No, no, I'd do it. I would find that person. <laughs> Even if it meant wandering around the streets myself, looking dodgy. Like, I, I just don't think what she did, was, I don't understand how we didn't think, oh yeah, that, that tracks. I don't think that's, that's a particularly awful thing. Mm. It's just, it's it's obstacle after obstacle. And like, she's, I mean, Endobs came back last year. They had a successful mm-hmm. tour. She's gone on Sell and done some... arena tour. Let's, yeah. let's just be really clear. That is a big deal. They did four nights at the O2 Arena. I, even I was surprised at that. Four at... sellout nights at the O2 Arena. Crazy. Uh, she has, you know, like she's kind of attempted, I, I don't want to say a fully-fledged comeback, but she's kind of dipped her toe back into solo music herself with some kind of featured vocals and stuff like that. But I know that she did an interview with The Guardian last year in support of that Endubs tour where she kind of Mm. talked about how she wasn't necessarily calling the tour her last hurrah. I'm paraphrasing here, but she kind of said if it was, she's kind of wants to be out of the fame game. She's kind of done with it. She's kind of looking to invest in property and (laughs) just keep going with that. I love that. Yeah, it goes back to that. Lisa was your landlord? I I wouldn't be against that, I don't think. And I'm usually all about eating landlords but you know what I don't think I could eat the woman that gave birth to young you know what I mean and like I was looking at her Instagram she's getting a security dog I think she wants to get some kind of Alsatian or something I was like you know what fair enough but I suppose my question to you is is there if you're being realistic because I know you're all invested now and where we want to be idealistic and we want the best for her which we absolutely do but like if we were to be realistic Say she's planning, she's plotting, she's in the lab for a potential comeback. What do you see that looking like for her? Is it music? Is it TV? And fundamentally, is it possible? Yeah, I think it is not music. Unless she wants to, maybe she wants to carry on writing. I think the end up stuff can go on. I mean, the album is actually pretty good. It's pretty much their sound, but it has had this sort of like more tropical dance wash. The this lyrics are good. Timeless. The most recent Timeless. Album. Yeah. Which I think that went top 10 as well, did it? I think it, it did successful enough. Do you know what I mean? For a, for a mm. record. Um, I think end up's music... That, that can carry on for as long as they want to, as long as the fans are buying it. I think they, they, can, they can be successful there. For her, as a person, I want the narrative. I want to rewrite that narrative. I think that's what she deserves. Because even now, like, I've brought her on a podcast about flops as being my flop. Where really, 
I think we think of her as a flop, but actually she's pretty much won and slayed at everything she did. She won all those court cases. She's the, she was the person that brought down the fake shake, a man that had been doing these crimes for 20 years. She, she brought him down. And she could have just rolled over and let it happen, but she didn't. She brought him down. She got successful enough to be an X Factor judge. You know, she had a number one single. She had all this huge success with N-dubs. She has been successful. So I think what really needs to happen is a TV show about her life. I am thinking The Crown, but grime. Like, think <laughs> of the key players in this. The, I mean, the fake shake thing would be huge in itself. You've also got like Simon Cowles, you've got Cheryl Coles in this, you've got Will I Am as a villain depicted in a whole episode. I mean, that would be gold, right? Brilliant. Yeah. I don't think enough people are framing Britney Spears as a villain. I mean, I don't really think she had any part in it. At that time, she didn't have any control no, over anything. She this was is 100% Will I Am. This is you know Will I Am's mean? fingerprints all over it. Yeah. Hasn't it? Hasn't everything. I think, I don't know, this could be a 10 parter. This is a Netflix. I will happily write on this. I will also happily play Talisa. Um, <laughs> I believe you are prepared to re-record British Swag for the yeah, yeah. Uh, soundtrack. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to yeah. do, I've got that Irish Irish swag? Is that something we can I, make happen? Aaron, I even think that's problematic <laughs> given the relationship Ireland has with your country. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, but really bad. Maybe, but maybe that's the thing. Maybe this is us reclaiming, you know, <laughs> we're going to colonise British Swag. We're taking back that song. I don't know. Imagine maybe. that be the bridge. Imagine that be the bridge and we change the lyrics to be all about unionization but also allowing the people that need power to have that power and maybe let's just make the assets and the money a little bit fairer perfect brilliant yeah that's that's what i see happening let's rewrite the narrative and i think yeah a tv show about how it all happens i haven't heard her say that and i only thought about it when you asked me but now that i've said it i think that is a not a million dollar idea but definitely a 20 dollar idea had you learned anything else about her from the autobiography? Because you have mentioned that you that you read it. Did you glean anything else about Talisa from the autobiography? Uh, yeah. So when I came into this, I thought, I am all guns blazing for Talisa. She was absolutely robbed. Men ruined her life. I listened to the autobiography and walked away being like, oh yeah, darling, I think you were a bit of your own downfall. Um <laughs> Which is not often you get, you listen to an autobiography and you think you've been a bit too honest there in your autobiography, honest. <laughs> she, um, she's a mug for men, mate. Oh, she's such a mug for men. Like, mm. you listen, she'd been through some horrific relationships and all the time, it was really sad listening to it because it's written at the sort of height of her career where everything is just about to happen and you can hear and feel the excitement and also the pride and you know that it's all about to really go down. And she's had terrible stuff happen to her and she's got a pretty good like view on things. Like she, she takes a pretty good perspective on things. But when you know what's coming, you think, oh God, this is brutally awful. And especially because after that news story broke, things went quiet, like really quiet, like Rihanna album quiet. Like we didn't hear from her for six years, did we? Um, so yeah, she's a mug for men particularly men that she's like working with and sleep the amount of like manager I mean she was in an on-off relationship with them phaser phaser the, yeah. the other guy in the band for for the best part of of the band and like yeah I think she just deserves to be loved but I think she could also I think she is loved she's she doesn't think she's in a long-term relationship but she is with her gay best friend Gareth 
who you'll know from the documentary was doing the security. So I hope that relationship is strong. I I hope he should be also heralded as a gay best friend icon to all of us. We should all strive to be as good as him. And I also hope she's got a good relationship with her cousin Zappy because that looked a bit rough at times. And she's now in a parasocial relationship with you, so that must be brilliant news Mate, for her. If she's not friends, if she, if her and Gareth aren't working out anymore, I am available. <laughs> I think I will stand up for her almost as much as he did. I'm extremely passionate about this and I can't wait for a mastermind to call where my specialist subject will be. Not the career of Talisa Constastavlos, the defence of Talisa Constastavlos. <laughs> I think you've done it on this episode. I was I was going to ask you to go out on your one line on why she flapped, but I think you've kind of covered it. But if if you do, if you do have one, ultimately, why did Talisa flap? Men. I love Perfect. that I am a man that have come onto a woman's <laughs> podcast to tell you about misogyny. Thanks. And men destroying I never about knew men. about this crazy thing. <laughs> Wowee. <laughs> No, but is fair, it mansplaining if it's a gay? Is it still mansplaining if no. it's a gay? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't <laughs> think so. Aaron, I could only dream of having guests as thorough and as enthusiastic as you about flops. Uh, and you're welcome back at any point. You had lots of other good suggestions, so you're welcome back, back at any other point. In the meantime, though, where can people find out more about you? Can you talk a little bit about your book? You've written a book. That's very exciting. Thank you. Yeah, if if this level of detail about something most people would think is inconsequential and too pop culture is your bag, my book is definitely for you. It's uh, called Homo History and I take all the sort of big social issues of the moment like blood donation and trans rights and I break them down in an easy, understandable way that very heavily relies on pop girlies and uh, cultural comedy moments that I think of. So it's like fun and it's witty and it's uh, easy to read. It's, It's a book for people that don't really read or don't know what's going on and want someone to just summarize it easily and quickly for you. That's what um, And that is available to pre-order now. Um, and you can get all of the details from my humbly titled website, www.iloveaaron.co.uk. <laughs> I may rebrand that to www.istandfortalisa.co.uk. I will see if that's available in the morning. Um, and I'm also on tour. I've got um, a new comedy show called Himbo, which is out at festivals through the year. So exciting. Aaron Twitchin, I am thrilled and honoured to have had you on Flat Culture. Thank you so much. It's been my dream. Thank you. A big thank you to Aaron. I will leave all of his links below, as well as a link to pre-order his new book, Home History. Pre-order is really important for authors, especially if you're independently publishing. So if that's something you're interested in, hit that link, buy a copy. Girls, I don't know if it's just Valentine's week, but I'm feeling the love... There's nobody for Top of the Flaps this week. I thought everyone had a great week. But if you disagree with me, please let me know. It's helloflapculture at gmail.com. Who was Top of the Flaps for you? I know a lot of discussion around Usher's halftime show. I personally don't agree. We got into it on the Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash flapculture if you want to hear the full unpacking of that with editor Adam Shannon. He joins me for that. I don't know. Anyone else? Anyone else topping your topping your flops? Shouldn't have said that sentence, but I did. You can also put forward your own suggestions for who was Top of the Flops this week on Spotify. I was just reading some of your responses there to Top of the Flops previously. Very funny. And I got some 
episode suggestions in, so love that. I know someone was suggesting Cheryl's 2018 comeback. That episode might be coming sooner than you think. Katy Perry's Witness Era, someone suggested. That's on the list. Don't you worry, my pals. If you have any other suggestions for episodes, as I mentioned, it's helloflopculture at gmail.com. And we are on social media. It's at flopculture underscore pod on Instagram and TikTok. We'd love to have you over there. Join the community. Mention Patreon. You're getting ad-free episodes. You're getting early access episodes. You're getting two, at least two bonus episodes a month, but it's usually more. This month, as I mentioned already, we've done the Usher Super Bowl halftime show. We've got a new episode coming of Bop Culture this week on a TV show that I'm obsessed with. So really looking forward to that. Patreon.com forward slash flop culture. Get on that. Love to see your ratings. Five stars, please, if you can. Spotify, Apple Podcasts. If you leave a rating and your nickname on Apple Podcasts, I'll recommend a bop or a flop to you. I'll name check you on the next episode. Would you love that? I'm sure you would. This has been Flop Culture, edited by the lovely Adam Shanahan. Until next week, we'll see you all then. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye.